This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What is going on, my friend? And everyone else who has tuned into the podcast, thank you for joining us. This is the Jake and Josh Show, Finsider Radio, your top shop for Miami Dolphins content. Like I said, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jake Mendel, so that must mean on the other end, joining me as he does each and every episode of Finsider Radio, Josh Houts. Joshua, the preseason's in the books. We're finally on to New England. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jake. So happy that we get to come on here and talk Dolphins football. So happy that I'm enjoying an iced coffee and staying dry in Northeast Pennsylvania. How are you doing today, Jake? It is absolutely miserable up here, too, in terms of rain. Uh, so it's, it's getting a little chilly. It's certainly starting to feel like fall. And you know that right away is when you're driving around uh, town at 7 o'clock in the morning, you notice all the kids headed back to school. Today was the first day. Uh, trying to get my iced coffee earlier this morning was certainly a pain. Uh, but Josh, we haven't recorded in a few days here. Uh, it's officially September. It's officially the football season, seeing how we had our first fantasy draft recently. And we have a lot to bite into here. Uh, the Dolphins finished the preseason. They cut their roster down to 53. And there is always some more drama going on with this team and the quarterback position. So Josh, let's start at the top. The Dolphins finished the preseason with a record of two and one after defeating the Bengals 29 to 26 on Sunday. And I think the best way to start this conversation is with a massive thank you to the both the Dolphins and the Bengals, because it seems like every time these two teams meet, uh, we get a little bit of excitement and a little bit of entertainment out of it, no matter how good or bad these two teams might be. Yeah, I think the last time we played them or one of the last times was Tannehill's. <laughs> you know, we all remember that being one of Tannehill's last games or realizing at that point, you know, he was no longer the future. But Jake, we saw Reed Sinnott. I mean, this was a thrilling game, a barnstormer, to be completely honest. I mean, this is not what you expected from a third preseason game, but he went 22 of 33 for 343 yards two touchdowns and an interception that made him uh, we all saw the stat coming across the screen, you know, most preseason yards in a game by a quarterback. <laughs> this, you know, how awesome is that? But um, you know, it was just an awesome performance to see the way them go out there and to pull that off in the fashion they did. I mean, it was kind of reminiscent of that Miami miracle, but you know, it is just preseason. It uh, kind of reminded me at what was it? 2019 when these teams met, I remember I was out at the bar watching the game and the dolphins had a pretty decent lead. 
And then I drive home and, and I turn it on the radio or whatever. And all of a sudden, I think it was the Bengals took the lead in the, the last seconds of the game or something. I just remember it ended up being a much closer game uh, than, than I recall. The same is true if you go back to the Halloween game with Cameron Wake. And Josh, talking about Sinet, I, I need to put this out here and how exciting this point is that each and every one of Miami's quarterbacks this preseason, Tua, Jake Brisket, and now Sinnott, everyone has looked so incredibly comfortable in this offense. You know, there were years in the past where we'd see Matt Moore just kind of get sacked over and over and over. Even Luke Folk gets sacked over and over and over just for the fact that Miami's depth wasn't there. The offensive line was doomed and the receivers couldn't do anything. All of a sudden you have someone like Kurt Merritt, who you're kind of hoping makes his way back onto this team on the practice squad. He has three catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. He looked like an NFL player and all three of these quarterbacks, all three of these three levels of depth the Miami Dolphins have looked like they could play in a football game. And I think that was the most appealing thing to me in general. And it started with the quarterbacks where, you know, it wasn't, this is going to go out and be an awful experience. We had our third stringer coming in and really cooking a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's just why we should be excited about this team. You know, last year, let's be honest, it looked like a Ryan Fitzpatrick offense. It just looked different when he was in command of it. But like you said, I mean, these guys are going out there. It seems like they all have a pretty good understanding of, you know, what's in front of them and they're making plays. Um, It's such a weird thing that we're sitting here talking about how good Sinet played and they know he's already been cut. But Jake Cameron Wolf, you know, one of our good pals, he's now working for NFL Network, just reported that Reed Sinet is signing back with the Miami Dolphins on their practice squad. So um, I know you alluded to that. We'll talk about, you know, these roster cuts as we get on with this podcast but um yeah it was just one of those performances that you really didn't expect to see and again I don't think anybody was shocked that Sinek got cut I mean we didn't expect three quarterbacks to stay on the active roster but you'd right. love to see that he lands on the practice squad another guy that we're all hoping and praying lands on the practice squad is Kirk Merritt he had three receptions 72 yards and a touchdown you know we saw him try to hurl over a guy we've been making jokes for over a year now about how he can jump high on the boxes what were your thoughts on that Jake because I mean again this was a loaded receiver room to know that Kirk Merritt wasn't going to make the 53-man roster. I don't know that that's such a surprise, but after that performance, again, three catches, 72 yards and a touchdown, you know, you thought maybe he would end up trickling in and maybe taking over that roster spot that Preston Williams might have got. Yeah, Josh, you have to be a little surprised when you think at the, look at the fact that guys like Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, even though Preston Williams had a couple snaps over there, did make uh, the 53-man roster I'm sorry, I really shouldn't say surprise, but it's an interesting point because I, I see guys like Malcolm Perry and Kurt Merritt who really kind of popped out. And I'm not saying can come in and be starting wide receivers, but in terms of the fifth or sixth guy, I mean, Kurt Merritt now or, Pre or uh, Malcolm Perry now, they look better than they did last year. They look like, you know, if it's week 15, week 14, whatever it may be when you're in the dog days of the season and you have some injuries, I would have felt comfortable with those guys being, you know, your fifth or sixth wide receiver. Uh, so that's kind of where I see this receiving group going. I think if this was last year, I look back to, you know, the days where the fourth and fifth wide receivers were like Marlon Moore. I mean, these guys are, are above and beyond that. So I think it's just more credit to the depth and the team that Chris Greer and Brian Flores has put together. And Josh, another play I want to talk about is Jared Dokes, 16 rushing attempts for 56 yards and two touchdowns. Another guy who was cut, but at Josh at the same time, I mean, he screams rookie year Miles Gaskin to me, someone who I think is going to get what's given to him. He's going to play a clean football game. He's going to be responsible with the ball. And, you know, as a practice squad guy, as the Dolphins can keep roughly 15 guys on this roster and really have a lot of flexibility in terms of who can stay on that roster, who can be active on game days. I mean, running backs coming back on this team, I mean, Dokes has to be right there front center. 
Yeah, I think we need to come up with a nickname for him, Okie Dokes or something like that. But I, like I mean, that. I mean, a lot of people, I posted a video of all of his carries from this game. You can check that out. I'll throw it up on the Finsider at some point. But I mean, a lot of people just really weren't impressed by what he did. I mean, he was getting the sure yard and sure he was running, you know, straight ahead and getting that that yards after contact, but I guess he didn't really blow too many people away. But for me, Jake, I thought he went out there and did, you know, pretty much what you expected. You know, he kind of looked like a running back that if Malcolm Brown moves on or, you know, what we thought from Jordan Howard, those guys move on. This is a guy that can come in there and fill that similar role. I mean, we saw him being that goal line back, which let's be honest, he, you know, he was seemed more capable than what we've seen over the last few years. So I was a little surprised that he was cut. I do think that they're hoping to stash on their practice squad, but we'll just see the way that whole thing shapes out. Another thing that we have to mention, Jake, is the Bengals had almost twice as many rushing yards as the Miami Dolphins, 120 yards on the ground. And, you know, we're talking about a third preseason game. We didn't even get into cuts yet. We will. But um, that's still not a very good sign, especially when we're looking at this Dolphins defense, who lost some starters that, quite frankly, we weren't expecting to see go. Yeah, at the end of the day, Josh, I kind of wrote this down just for the sake of it seems like the rushing defense is Miami's biggest weakness. And we'll talk about that shortly as we talk about the uh, 53 man roster, but it also seems like Josh, that they understand this is a weakness and they're playing to their strengths. You know, this is a passing league breaking news. So the fact that the rushing defense is their weakness, when you see how good that pass defense can be, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, moving on. The Dolphins officially announced their 53-man roster. We were DMing throughout the day, and let's peel back that curtain a little bit because we saw the cap space scenario. I don't, I don't know if this tweet was going around to other people too, but I think it was Sport Track who tweeted it out that the Dolphins needed to find $26 million to get under the cap um, on the day of roster cuts. And it took me a little while to realize that that included, you know, players 80 to what, 54. And, you know, I was panicking because I'm like, are they going to have to cut someone major? How did we not know about this? Uh, but Josh, can you kind of walk me through what's going through your head? Because I have to say uh, in that moment, I was spooked about what kind of moves the Dolphins had to make being 26 mil in the hole. Yeah, maybe that's my fault. I mean, I was just sitting there, you know, we were doing it all weekend long, just refreshing Twitter, waiting for something to happen. And, you know, it said that a negative $26 million in cap space. And I just felt like I had to send that to you because, you know, like you said, on the surface, it's just like, what the hell? But then when you start to, you know, peel away the layers like an onion, you start to see that it is almost 30 people, Jake. And, you know, some of these moves were a surprise, some weren't. But to me, and I, I just want to jump right into it here, Jake, Bernardrick McKinney. I mean, we talked about him for podcast after podcast. We're talking about how poor the run defense is. I mean, this one felt like a punch to the gut. What were your thoughts when you saw Bernardrick McKinney was cut by the Miami Dolphins? The thing about football that I think we all love is that we have no idea what's happening. We have absolutely no control. And it's those gut punches. It's those throws that really make this sport exciting. Josh, because this was a situation we had no idea this was coming. In a trade that involved... Uh, Bernardrick McKinney and Shaq Lawson, neither of those guys are on the Texans or the Miami Dolphins anymore. I find that to be so crazy. And Josh, after I got past that initial, like, 
what on earth is happening here? This is your starting middle linebacker. Um, I tried to kind of figure out the why or how this uh, the Dolphins really got to this point. And really, to me, I think the only thing that popped out to me, and it wasn't Sam McGuavin's four sack game, but it was more Landon Roberts actually practicing and actually playing. Uh, because I remember we were doing podcasts in like May, and I remember sharing the quotes of Landon Roberts saying, you know, this is you know, the worst I've ever been injured. I'll be back, but I'll be back. I'm taking it slowly. I mean, there was nobody thinking of Landon Roberts suffering a knee injury late in December would be back for the regular season. And I think McKinney was kind of that Roberts uh, prototype in a sense where I even kind of, we should have seen this coming with Rayquan McMillan because McKinney and McMillan were even that same type of thumper guy in the middle, but that's clearly, clearly what the Miami Dolphins don't uh, plan on using, especially for that cap price. When you have a Landon Roberts coming in, apparently he looks healthy. So at first that shock and panic is definitely there. Uh, and I'm not saying I certainly agree with the move, but I understand where Brian Flores was starting to come from, especially when you factor in someone like Landon Roberts. Yeah, Jake, and I was a big fan of McKinney. I liked the, when the trade when it went down, but um, I want to read off a tweet from Alfredo Artiega of Three Yards Per Carry, and he put, shed a pretty good light on this McKinney situation. He said, let me explain this McKinney cut. McKinney looks powerful as a thumper rolling in as the mic for 19 days. Atlanta Roberts comes back, murders every back we have for practice, and they say, yep, same guy. McKinney is now a one-dimensional player. They don't want to. So, again, it goes back to what you said. But, uh, I mean, to me, I guess the thing that I take away from that is why did the Dolphins make this trade if they expected to bring in McKinney and have him, you know, play pass coverage and do those things that it sounds like, you know, they're shocked for some reason that he can't do. I mean, again, I think when you traded for McKinney, he was coming in here to change the dynamic of that run defense. And, you know, I, I think I'm a little upset that he is gone now, but um, I'm never going to sit here and pretend that I know more than Brian Flores and Chris Greer. I'll never do that. Yeah, Josh, I think it kind of goes back to the fact I think the Dolphins are going to be playing safeties so often, three of them. Uh, you see what Jalen Phillips was able to do in that third preseason game. I think they expect him to be a starter. And maybe they're just going to kind of try to throw Jerome Baker in there when they're using two linebackers as that guy who can kind of burst up the middle. I believe he had nine sacks last season. So I, I do agree with you, Josh, where you thought this would help the run defense. But I think this is also a calculated risk by the Dolphins in terms of what they see as their strengths and weaknesses. And if they're going to give up an extra, you know, uh, four carries for five runs a pop and, and it looks a little ugly but as a result I mean you stop a team on four straight third downs on, on third and fours to third and six because you have those defensive backs it kind of evens out without you knowing that you know full story yeah and let's not pretend that you know Brian Flores doesn't love to use his safeties bring him down in the box I mean we haven't even really talked about Brandon Jones a lot this offseason I mean yep. he's that perfect player that can drop down there and do those things so great point there Jake and Again, I wish McKinney all the luck in the world. He is kind of up there. I think he's 28 years old. So, you know, after the restructure, after certain things, maybe it isn't that big of a surprise. Josh, another move the Dolphins made is uh, putting left tackle Larnell Coleman on injured reserve. And I think we can both certainly agree here that while he didn't look super prepared to be playing in NFL caliber games. He really has that body, that mold uh, UMass guy. I guess that's kind of why I know a little bit more about him where I think this was a way where the dolphins can really lock him down and make sure he doesn't get onto waivers. You don't have to worry about keeping him on the practice squad. I wouldn't lose hope in Coleman just yet. I know the injured reserve is a little frustrating, but this is a guy, if the dolphins can, you know, really work with him for another year or two, I could see him actually being a decent tackle. And I mean, when you're talking about a seventh round guy and you can get him to play, productive snaps. I mean, you got to take every opportunity you can get in that situation. 
Yeah, and I think uh, with this coaching staff and this regime, I think one of the most exciting parts about it is just how they can, you know, bring in some of these raw talents and just get the most out of them. So I'd love to see what they can do with Larnell Coleman. Another release that, you know, kind of shocked me a little bit and, you know, sent shockwaves through Dolphins Twitter was when Shaquem Griffin got released. Um, You know, it sounds like the Dolphins want to bring him back to the practice squad, Jake. But for a player, you know, he seems like he was out there doing everything, looked like his hair was on fire at times. That special team's presence, you know, once they got rid of some of these other guys, I thought for sure Shaq Griffin was going to make the roster, but that move was a little bit surprising to me, Jake. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and that's another guy, too. I think the Dolphins are working to get him back on the practice squad where that depth can really come in handy. Uh, he did make a lot of plays in, in the preseason in training camp to really see that hype start to grow, but it's important to keep in mind. I think there are a lot of uh, second and third stringers involved there, too, and of course, you're going to see that in the NFL, so having someone like Griffin in your back pocket is certainly going to be nice. Josh, I got to admit, Preseason game three, I thought Carl Tucker stood out to me, the fullback from Alabama. He actually popped out on the page. That's kind of why, like, these third preseason games, you really don't have to squint to see the guys who maybe can have a future in the NFL. I'm interested to see if the Dolphins keep him along uh, as a fullback. I mean, I know they're going to use Christian Wilkins in that scenario a lot, maybe even Seaton Carter, uh, especially seeing the fact they kept five tight ends. But uh, in terms of injuries, in terms of different scenarios, matchups, I could see Carl Tucker being a guy I think they keep on that practice squad, uh, both as someone who can carry the rock and, and do a little bit of blocking. Old Carl Tucker was a mighty man. He washed his face with a frying pan. Did you ever hear that song? You ever hear the old Dan Tucker song? That might be way out of your league. But Jake, another move, and I guess it wasn't that big of a surprise with how, you know, the reports of Michael Dieter playing well. The Dolphins, I think they just signed a center recently. But Matt Skura being released. I know that Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport tweeted out, you know, this was a surprise. But based on everything you heard at camp, you know, the pretty big salary and the Dolphins' current situation, it didn't really make sense to keep Matt Skura and, you know, take those reps away from a guy like Michael Dieter, who this staff, you know, seems like they are all in on. And, you know, I think that's kind of why I'm excited about Larnell Coleman, like you said, because they sat on Michael Dieter, you know, they taught him the ins and outs, and now he's going to go out there and start center for the Dolphins. So, um, you know, but Matt Skura, veteran presence on that offensive line, a little bit surprising, Jake. Yeah, and I think it's important to keep in mind the, the fact that you just said it, Josh, it isn't that big of a surprise based on what we're hearing in camp. Uh, so when we think about the fact that, you know, someone like Ian Rappaport, Adam Scheffner is calling it a little bit of a more surprising move, uh, I'm going to put the call to action of to all Dolphin fans out there to not get mad about it and say, like, no shit or anything like that. For the sake of the matter that most people across the NFL aren't focused on Miami's backup center job. Uh, so that's something important to keep in mind there, too, uh, to wrap up the center. Michael Dieter, get a beard, and we'll be feeling much better about you. Josh, you have a little bit of egg on your face. Jakeem Grant is on the roster. However, he is restructured, uh, voids up to $3 million. I think he can actually make up to $3 million and avoids the final two years of his contract. So, Josh, uh, it was an uphill battle for Grant, but, I mean, Muddy Mouse came in and uh, proved he deserves a spot on this roster. Yeah, they clearly are going to run that two punt return system that we alluded to. And, you know, um, I do definitely have egg on my face. So I'm, I went out of my way to make that Toy Story joke and shame on me. But I'm excited to see what Jakeem Grant can do. Like Adam Beasley, the Pro Football Network reported, this contract is up to $3 million and it voids the final two years of his contract. So, um, you know, it kind of almost seems like the Dolphins are going to move on from Jakeem Grant after this year. It sounded like they were trying to trade him. But to restructure him and have that playmaker, another souped up car in this Dolphins offense, you know, why not for 2022? Yeah, Josh, and a little side note here. I was listening to the Ringers NFL fantasy podcast. Those guys, they're absolutely hilarious. Uh, but they had Peter Schrager on, and he kind of, 
I don't want to say, you know, maybe showed his hand a little bit, uh, but he started talking about, and, and he admitted this on the show. He started talking about how he was, uh, you know, chatting with guys within the dolphins and he heard that Jalen Waddle from the start was the guy that the dolphins wanted. I know we kind of want to sit here and have that, uh, uh, idea of you know they they just kind of took waddle he was there they wanted chase they wanted pits uh or on the other side you're trying to be that homer fan of of course they wanted waddle but this legitimately seems like the guy that brian flores wanted just the sake of going back to him playing that national championship game if you uh aren't a ringer person or you know you, you aren't a fantasy guy go listen to that podcast strictly for peter shager to be on it talk a little bit about that scenario it made me feel so much more confident about what jalen waddle is going to be and in terms of his volume with this uh, group. And I have to say, Josh, based on what I heard, I mean, Jalen Waddle is going to be back there returning punts and kicks. And it's going to be interesting to see how often uh, there's he's split in time with Jakeem, because I mean, these are two guys I think that can take to the house. Hopefully that's another situation. I had egg on my face. Cause I mean, I'll be the first one to admit I was pretty high on Devonte Smith, you know, liked what Jalen Waddle did, but never in my life, you know, thought that he was going to be this all-star playmaker, you know, this, this game changer that so many people truly believe he's going to be Jake, you know, we're sitting here doing this podcast. It's now one 30 September 1st, Wednesday, Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald is dropping some names for the practice squad. Reed Sinit is now on there. Kirk Merritt and Jared Dokes all made the practice squad. The Dolphins also released safety Jamal Perry. So we're trying to keep up to date with some of these news. Um, you know, again, shame on us for not doing a podcast sooner, but I think Jake, a large part of the reason we didn't come on here and talk about this podcast and, you know, talk about some of these moves in the game was because of the ongoing dark cloud that just continues to hang over this fan base's head with that Deshaun Watson situation, because it's truly picked up steam over the last few days. And it was, you know, it was truly, it was like a car crash where you just could not look away, but you just did not want to see any more of it. Josh, this whole thing confused me so much because yes, there's the Sean Watson talks going on. Yes. He has legal issues and this is all stuff we've been digesting for months. And so there was a tweet that came out that said that the Dolphins were front runners and it included the tip or eventually added to that is that the Dolphins and Texans have not engaged in talks in weeks. So Josh, why did this blow up? Why did the fact that the journalists, the reporters say that they haven't spoken in weeks? Why did this blow up right now? Why did Brian Flores, shout out Jeff Darlington, honestly, if you're a Dolphins fan and you're not following Jeff Darlington, a whole chunk of your fandom is missing because Darlington came out and reported that coach Brian Flores just addressed the team uh, regarding recent reports of Miami and a possible trade with Deshaun Watson. Josh, the recent reports, but all the information is so old. So I just don't understand why everyone's, you know, kind of going bananas with this. I understand the reporters have to continually ask about it and you're going to hear about it in every single practice, just in case, you know, someone slips up, someone says something different and all of a sudden that's news. But the fact that nothing new has changed, I don't understand how this is blew up and why everyone wanted to argue on Twitter, because you're kind of going back to just arguing, you know, if, if, Ben Roethlisberger fumbled the ball going into the end zone back in like 2011. Like you're getting nothing out of this. No, I, I, I don't know, Jake. I don't know if it's because the 53 man roster, you know, he was, he's going to count towards what $10 million on the Texans active roster if they didn't move him. So I don't know if that was a situation. Charles Robinson is a reporter you're talking about. And I think he even went and doubled down on that. So I don't know why he came out. I just never, and you know, it made sense, I guess, for this to be this, 
situation nine months ago at the beginning of January, you know, when Tua Tungvaloa just struggled and, you know, before all of these accusations, but now with the season on the horizon, with how well Tua Tungvaloa played, it just made absolutely no sense to me. And like I said, I mean, I was love to have come on here and talk recent with you love to come on here and talk cuts, but you know, part of me was just sitting here. I told you, I felt dead inside because it just, none of it made sense. So I'm glad that it seems like all that's in the, in the rear view mirror. Again, as soon as Tua messes up, this is going to be the first thing that starts to come out, but it's just crazy that these rumors have still lasted, you know, nine months. We are still talking about the same damn thing, despite how well Tua Tungvaloa played. And the only way for that to have gone away was if Brian Flores himself addressed the media and said, you know, we have no interest. That didn't happen. This was the second best thing in my opinion. So hopefully some of those rumors, you know, get put to rest, but I don't know, Jake. I, I don't think it's truly over until Deshaun Watson's, you know, playing a game for the Texans or playing for another team. And, and I just don't see the end of that happening anytime soon. Yeah, you're 100% right. But to the people who are sharing the stories and tweeting about it and talking about it, they're the reason that the story keeps living or the same things, you know, quoted every single day because we can say that all oh, the journalists are trying to get clicks. Hey, not only do journalists have to get paid, but who's clicking? Don't click on the things that if you know that there's nothing good in that story, if you know there's nothing valuable from it, it's not clickbait, but you just don't have to click on it. You know, that, that's just kind of the scenario we in, we're in. And if these stories stop blowing up and we have, you know, 40 different websites reporting the same thing, they won't report on it. So it, it's just a frustrating scenario when everyone gets so riled up, when it's as simple as don't talk about it and it goes away. It, it, it's that simple. I think it's important to keep in mind that Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback. And I don't think Brian Flores would ever, ever want to shut the door on the possibility of him coming to Miami. If you're a fan, I don't think I'd ever want to shut the door or assume that they have their quarterback of the future in place. That's where I'm going to kind of wind on that, but it's just tiring, especially when people are saying that there's no new news. These teams haven't talked and everyone's still like, Oh, the tr- uh, where's the ESPN notification. This trade's about to happen despite us not knowing anything along those lines. Yeah, and I do this every time we talk about anything. But, you know, as soon as we get off here, Jake, or we're going to look at our phones and the tr- damn trade's going to come through or something and, you know, just turn our world upside down. But all jokes aside, I have no idea why they're still talking about it. Like you said, the Dolphins would never close the door truly on it. And I think part of the reason why Flores isn't going out there and saying they have no interest because, you know, as much as Dolphin fans don't want to believe it at some point or another, the Dolphins absolutely had interest in Deshaun Watson. So, um, you know, I, I'm just so glad that's over. And the best way to put this all to rest is for Tua to go out there and play as well as he had in preseason josh i'm going to take it one step farther i think the best thing you can do is stop clicking on those stories and instead subscribe to this podcast because we're going to be hitting you with strong content from start to finish as the Miami dolphins begin the season with the new england patriots in just 11 days spotify itunes wherever you are listening to this podcast if you're listening to it on the insider right now uh, hit control and your mouse button. It'll open up a new window. Go through, scroll through some website or some stories on finsider.com. As you're listening to it, another window. Just don't get anxiety over, oh my God, I don't know how to pause this. I don't know what window it's opening. Saving you a little nightmare. Josh, I think we do a good job of kind of staying uh, straight, thinking about what the Dolphins might be doing instead of getting caught up on uh, old information, whatever that might be. Uh, either way, if it's old, new, or Photoshop, Houts is your guy on Twitter, at H-O-U-T-Z. And I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to say my Twitter account, jmendel94, J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. I said it right, Josh. Ha ha, look at you. Got anything else you want to say before we wrap up here? 
Um, no, that was perfect, Jake. But I do have to say two things quick. Linebacker Calvin Munson is joining the Dolphins practice squad per Barry Jackson. And head coach Brian Flores declines to discuss Darlington's reported comments on team on Tua, but says Tua is our quarterback. He's had a good training camp, made lots of progress, made a lot of improvement. We're pleased with where he is. So that's that, Jake. Like Jake said, follow us all season long. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us that review. Hit us up on Twitter. Jake gave a shout out to our good pal Ian earlier. I'm going to give a shout out to a, a fan from overseas, Danny. So shout out, Danny. But guys, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. If there's anything you want us to do, reach out to us. I am on Twitter at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. That is the one, the only, the greatest co-host, the guy that kind of sails this entire ship, at J Mendel, J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. For the Finsider Radio Podcast, I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. We're going to forget all about that Flores uh, interview. We're going to forget all about that Flores speech until it is the head of the Super Bowl DVD when the Miami Dolphins win it in 2021. That is your final thoughts for the day. Can't wait. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami